I suppose all of us have lost a loved one at some time. And you know, it seems just the natural thing that we always remember the last words that we ever heard them say. Maybe it's when they were going away or we were visiting them in their home or perhaps when they were dying. But those last words, we cherish them, don't we? It just seemed to do something for us. I remember when my father was in his bed dying of cancer. For two weeks I was shoving the needle in to relieve the pain. But when it came to the last, I have never forgotten his last words to me. He took my hand and he said, Son, I will see you when Jesus comes. You know, those words have always been ringing in my ears. He had courage. He had faith. He knew his Lord. And he knew the promise that he would be among those who would be in that special resurrection to see the Lord coming in the air. He said, son, I will be there. I will see you. It has given me courage and strength to live for him. Had you ever realized the last words that our Savior has spoken while he was here on this earth? I'm so happy that the spirit of prophecy has told us that the very last words that Jesus Christ spoke as he left his disciples and looked down upon them in his last words of goodbye. Though I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What courage that must have brought to those disciples as they saw him go. What hope how their hearts were filled with peace. How those words gave them assurance that while he was away, yet he was with them. Lo, I am with you always. Who is this Lord that speaks with such authority? Who is it that can say without question, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Who is it that can say, I have the keys of hell and of death? Who is it that can say, I am the resurrection and the life? The same who said, I am with you even unto the end. I want you to capture in your imagination this morning with the help of the Spirit, I want you to see Christ and what happened in those last moments when he said those words. You know, everything in the life of Christ had a time for it. When the fullness of time was come, he was born. There was a time when they took him for his dedication. There was a time when Jesus Christ, at the age of 12, went to the temple 
And as he watched the priest take that lamb and cut its throat, and he saw the blood trickle out, for the first time, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he was the lamb. And from that moment, he said, I must be about my father's business. Everything he did in his life, a time for miracles, a time to suffer, a time to be crucified, a time to be dead, a time to arise, a time to ascend. All these were in the great program laid out for Christ Jesus. And when that time came for him to ascend to his father's throne, it was a time to present his trophies to God. It was a time to be proclaimed as the victor. It was a time to hear the father pronounce that justice had been satisfied. And that time had come. Now he was ready. What spot would Jesus choose for his ascension? Moriah? The city? Zion? The place of David's city? No. They had mocked him there. They had rejected him. Would it be Mount Moriah where the holy temple was situated? No. Here the people had beat back the waves of mercy that had continually pled. Jesus Christ would choose the Mount of Olives. Here he had found rest. Here he had prayed in the grove and in the glen. It was here that he had gained the victory over death itself. It was here that the Holy Shekinah had hesitated in departing from the temple for the last time. It was here on this mountain that he had wept for Jerusalem in its coming destruction. It was here that the soil had been consecrated by the drops of his own blood. It was here that the shouts of children had cried, Hosanna unto the highest. Here, that his greatest miracle had been performed in the rising of Lazarus, proof of his divine power to give life. And so he chooses the spot, the spot from which he will ascend to heaven, and someday, one thousand years from now, he will return to that same spot. As his feet touch that mountain, it will become a mighty plain, 350 miles square, on which the holy city will spread out, where there will never be a pain or a sorrow. The triumphant king will reign within, amid the Hebrew hallelujahs and the Gentiles hosannas. And the voice of the redeemed will ever be heard crying, crown him, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. You know, it must have been some sight. Now follow me in your mind. 
Perhaps you were in one of the windows looking over one of those little paths leading through Jerusalem. Or perhaps you were watching the children playing in the street. Or perhaps uh, you can see this vendor standing there trying to peddle his vegetables. When can you believe it? Eleven disciples with the Savior. Oh yes, and there was one more, don't forget, his mother. Thirteen in all, who forty days before Jesus Christ had been crucified, they had seen him die, they knew he had been buried. And here this little band walking through the streets of Jerusalem. Can you see him from the window? Oh, you call somebody, look, I thought he was dead. And here this little band is walking down the streets. Can you see disciples pressing closely? They want to hear everything that Jesus has to say. These wondering eyes watch him as he goes down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. He comes to the gate and he walks through the same gate that 40 days before he was taken out to be crucified. The disciples press closely. There are ever around them never to be forgotten memories. As they look to the right, they see Gethsemane and they recount his agony. How can they ever forget that prayer? Father, not my will, but thine be done. As they go down the path up the hillside, they see a vine. The very wine, vine that Jesus on that night had said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. They go by and they see these palm trees on which the children have broken off the branches and waved them, Hosanna unto the highest, as they cried Hosannas to the coming king. A little further, they see the exact spot where Jesus wept over Jerusalem. It all comes to their mind. And as they look down the hill, they see the garden. And there they remember that when the mob came, every one of them fled and left him alone. In the distance, they see Calvary. They recount the insults, the mockery, the crucifixion. And as they walk along, they have so much to talk about. Finally, they reach the summit. They cross over the vicinity to Bethlehem. And here the Savior pauses. The disciples gather around. Beams of light seem to be radiating from his countenance. There is such a loving look. Oh, he has loved them before, but now there seems to be an everlasting love. They hear the tenderest words. He stretches out those nail-pierced hands in protecting care. And then they see him slowly arising. The disciples are awestruck. They've never seen him like this before as he begins to go up. 
they stretch their eyes to get the last glimpse as the cloud of glory receives him. And just as he disappears in the cloud, they see his lips move and they hear him say those last words of goodbye. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And those words are mingled with the most beautiful music they have ever heard because choirs and choirs of angels are singing the melodies of heaven. As they stand there and listen, as they see him disappear, suddenly they are startled because standing by them are two of the most exalted angels of heaven. The two angels who have been assigned to be with Christ every moment of his life on earth. The same angels who came to his tomb and cried, Thy Father calls thee. Listen as they speak the thrilling news, ye men of Galilee. Why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Oh, how those angels must have longed to be in that cloud that were exhorting the Lord Jesus toward heaven. But remember, they were to remain to encourage the disciples. For the word of God says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And so Christ ascends in his humanity. The very same Jesus who prayed for his disciples. The very same Jesus who broke bread and ate. The very same Jesus who sat on the boat as it rocked and he taught the word of God. The very same Jesus who had toiled up the mountainside in the dusty trail. And it says, the, this same Jesus shall so come. This same Jesus who is going to the Father's throne. Praise God, he will come again. In Revelations 1-7, behold, he will come with clouds and every eye shall see him. Again in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, the Lord himself. Don't you like that? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with our Lord. Is there any wonder that my heart thrills every time I think of those words of my father? He believed that. He knew in that special resurrection that he will be brought up to see the Lord come. And it just rings in my heart, son, I'll see you when Jesus comes. Oh, what? Joy!
In John 14, 3, it says, And if we go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It isn't any wonder that when those disciples walked back to Jerusalem, they had joy in their hearts. Shouldn't we have joy today? Shouldn't we have hope? Those words kept ringing, Lo, I am with you always. Never again would those disciples be the same. They weren't downcast or ashamed. As they walked back, the twelve, including the mother of Jesus, there was no trace of sorrow. There was no defeat. Their faces were aglow with triumph. Their lips were filled with praise and thanksgiving. Everywhere, when anyone stopped, they had to tell them the wondrous news that Jesus had been resurrected, that he had gone to heaven and he was coming back again. They knew it. They had heard him. They had seen him. They were positive that Jesus Christ was now at the throne of God, eager to present their request to the Father in his name. Now was the time, as in John 16, 23, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy might be filled. Higher and higher arose the faith of the disciples in those days right after the moment he arose. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is ever at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Thus the foundation for Pentecost was laid. Have you ever thought of that concourse bearing Jesus Christ, those celestial beings as they were going past the sun and the moon and the stars on their way to the city of God? Jesus Christ surrounded by angels. The choirs were singing. And there were multitudes. There were thousands of captives who had been set free at the resurrection of Jesus. They were shouting acclamations of praise. That joyous crowd was winging its way toward heaven. As they neared the city, on the walls were the angels. The streets were lined with angels, those streets of gold. At the gate was awaiting Moses, for he was the one to open the gate. The sky ablaze with the reflections of the rainbow of God. As the city came into view, we are told that those angels that were escorting him suddenly cried up, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, 
Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And those sentinels on the walls responded, Who is the King of glory? Not that they didn't know. But they loved to hear his name and to exalt it, and they cried out, Who is the King of glory? Back came the reply, The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Then it happened as they swept up to the gate, Moses, with his own right hand, opens the pearly gates as all of this group flood through. Down the streets of gold, they burst into rapturous music under the rainbow, singing praises to the Son of God. And here now is assembled their representations from all of the unfallen worlds. This is heaven's council. It was here before this same group that Lucifer had attacked Christ. Now the representatives from the sinless world are there to honor Christ and to celebrate his triumph over the devil. But Christ waves them back. Not yet. Not yet is there to be a coronet of glory. Not yet is he ready to put on the royal crown. Not a word is spoken as he enters the presence of the Father. The first thing he did, does is point to his wounded head. And the Father looks. And then he removes the garment and shows the Father the side that was pierced for you and me. And then the Father looks as he points to his marred feet. And then he lifts his hands and the Father beholds the nail prints. Slowly, Jesus turns and he points to the thousands the wave sheet that he has brought with him, those who represent the great resurrection to come from every nation, kindred, and tongue. Then he steps close to the Father. There is a joy on the Father's face. This is the Father who often sings when a lost sheep is found. The Father recalls the covenant that he had made with the Son to overthrow Lucifer. And now, Jesus speaks for the first time. As he looks into his Father's eyes, Father, it is finished. I have done thy will, O my God. I have completed the work of redemption and if justice is satisfied, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. Can you see that great meeting? Breathlessly they await in silence for God to answer. 
And suddenly that great mighty voice that can shake the universe proclaims that justice has been satisfied, that Satan is vanquished never again to enter the pearly gates, and that we, the redeemed, are to be accepted in the beloved. Then come those words, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And then that touching scene, can you see it as the universe beholds? God's arms encircle the sun. Then he commands, let all the angels worship him. Joy unutterable, break forth as the rulers and the principalities and the powers of the universe. Acknowledge the prince of life. Angels fall prostrate at his free feet and cry, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. What a scene. The redeemed with the angels lift their voice in praise. Love has conquered. The promise of man's redemption is absolutely certain. And every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth such as are in the sea and all that are in, heard I saying, Blessed and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and forever. What I wouldn't have given to be able to have seen that. I would have given anything to have watched as the Father puts his arms around his Son and heard him proclaim that forever Satan is exiled from the holy city. But let me tell you something. There's a greater day coming that I can attend and you can attend. A great day when he will come in the clouds of glory, the same Jesus. And when he comes, he will come with all the angels, and there on that great crowd, cloud, he will cry for the righteous to come forth out of their graves. I want to be there. I want to see that. I want to shake hands once more with my father. But most of all, I want to see him who died for me.